0: Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green.
1: This is the Make the Great Podcast, your host, hoster with the moster, Dr. Stephen Green. You know why we're here? I want to give you actions, strategies, game plans, call what you may, to accelerate you on your path to success, whether you're a student, a parent of a student, or an entrepreneur. Sometimes I am solo on this podcast, but today I got an excellent guest. I want to welcome from New York City, Mark Hirschberg. Mark, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show today.
1: Thank you for coming on. Let me tell you a little bit about Mark. We're gonna jump right in. He's an author. Let me tell you it's not easy writing a book. Trust me. I've been there. Uh, he's an author of a book called The Career Toolbox: Essential Skills for Success that No One Taught You. Okay. He was educated at MIT. Oh, he's smart. <laughs> um he has spent his career launching and fixing new ventures at startups, Fortune 500s, and academia. He's developed new software, languages, online marketplaces, new authentication systems, and track criminals and terrorists on the dark web. Man, you, you're, like a, you're like a renaissance guy. I don't know what to get gonna... myself into here, man. This guy's got it all. Mark helped create the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program at MIT Career Success Accelerator. Wow. So he's got it going where he's taught for 20 years. He also serves on the boards of nonprofit called Techie Youth and Plant a Million Carls. So Mark, welcome. If nothing else, you sound like a, a person who's got a lot of interests and a lot of talent. Um, but let's start with this one. You, you decided to write a book, right? I did. Your book is called... Tell us what it's called. I know what it's called, but I want you to say Give you some passion here.
0: What's your the book career called? toolkit? Essential skills for success that no one taught you.
1: No. Okay. So here's the thing I want you to answer this question. And I want you to tell us why you wrote the book and any backstory you want. Why are these things not being taught?
0: Great question. We're,
1: we're, I mean, we're going right in the deep end here, brother. So go ahead. What do you, what do you think?
0: High school. Is a modern invention. It goes back about 150 years, and it Mm -hmm. was designed as we left the farms and went into the industrialized workforce. We need folks to have those three R's the reading, writing, arithmetic. This is the Schwab
1: Rockefeller system. In
0: 1910, you didn't need to know how to network to work on an assembly line. Leadership Mm -hmm. wasn't so important. So we never really put this into high school. Colleges are run by professors. I like them very much, I work with them, but they are narrow experts. They're experts in chemistry or accounting, whatever their field is, and when you show up, they say, well, we the experts have decided if you want a degree in our field, you need to acquire this knowledge. And so when you get an accounting degree, all they're saying, they're not saying you're a good accountant. They're just saying you have acquired this level of knowledge in accounting. We don't know if you're good at. We certainly don't know if you're good as an overall employee. We just say you've acquired this knowledge. That's all a bachelor's degree does. And that was fine in 1950 when you sat there in your desk and your manager came to you and said, do this work? And you say, yes, sir. And you were the cog in the machine. The but that doesn't man. Work The company world. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, academia is a little behind the times in terms of teaching the skill sets that we need today. That's why at MIT, we created the Career Success Accelerator. We looked at the skills that companies said they want, and we said it's time that we start to deliver these skills to our students.
1: Can you be specific? So networking,
0: interpersonal
1: skills? I mean, give, give me some examples.
0: My book covers 10 skills. And again, this comes from surveys of companies. This is not just for MIT students or technical people or even students, universal This
1: is the world population.
0: The 10 skills, there are three sections in my book, section one careers, how to create and execute a career plan, how to work effectively, Uh things like managing your manager, understand corporate culture, how to interview both as a candidate but also many of us have to hire our peers or subordinates. So both sides of interviewing Mm -hmm. second section, leadership and management, three chapters, one on leadership, one on the people side of management and one on the process side of management. And then the third section interpersonal dynamics has chapters on communication, networking, negotiating, and ethics.
1: So is this book uh, like 700,000 pages?
0: It's only (laughs) 270 pages,
1: only 200 Mm -hmm. people. That's like, that's like, that's like a light read on a Saturday afternoon. Now I'm I'm half joking with you, Mark, because these are, you could probably written a book about it. You could probably written 10 books here.
0: Exactly. And I knew people don't have time for that. In fact, the way my book is written, you can open the book and say, I'm going right to chapter eight. I'm going to skip Mm -hmm. the first seven. Then you go to chapter two. Then you can pick up any individual chapter like a toolkit you can grab the tool you need so you don't have to read it straight through go to what you need when you need it and each chapter oh, takes 30 to 40 minutes to read so it's a very small effort when you say i want to get better at this skill
1: and this was born out of need as uh, verbalized maybe not literally by you or somebody else talking to people in the corporate world in the business world and they're saying hey this guy johnny's a great great accountant in terms of um, technique, but he can't get along with any of his coworkers, or he doesn't know how to work on a team or whatever, fill in the blank. Um, All of the
0: above, yeah.
1: And now, and, and is this an idea that just came to you individually or was this something that was a team effort or is this something that I'm sure it evolved over some amount of time, right? But what was the initial genesis of this idea?
0: It was a catalyst of two things happening. In my own career, I knew I was a software engineer at the time. I knew I wanted to become a CTO, a chief technology officer, the person in charge of the engineers. And as I asked myself, what do I need to be able to get this job, Mm -hmm. I realized there were all these skills beyond being a good engineer. I needed to know leadership, negotiating, team building, communicating, but no one ever taught me. So I began to develop the skills in myself and quickly realized these skills are not just for executives. They are for everyone, down to most junior people, down to the summer interns. We all benefit when all of us have these skills. So I began to upskill my team. And as I was doing so, MIT had done some surveys of companies, found these very same skills, and wanted to put together a program. When I heard about that, I said, you know, I've developed some material. I'm happy to share it. I thought that would be a one-off meeting, but they asked me to help develop some of the curriculum and then asked me to teach, which I've been doing now for decades. And so I've not only taught MIT, I speak about, it, I do other things, I develop people in the nonprofits and the companies I'm at. And so I realized I want to reach a larger audience and that's what the book lets me do.
1: There's no question in my mind at least that there's a huge need for these skills. And, and, and let's, let's explore this a little bit. It's not just, in the live workplace setting. It's also online, okay? Because look, how how do a lot of people network now, especially in the last two years, which in case you're listening to this in 2048, has been COVID uh, ridden. So people are going to the LinkedIn's of the world and uh, maybe primarily LinkedIn as a business thing, but there's plenty of social media platforms. And there's an almost unwritten etiquette in a lot of these things as well, right? So I would, I'm going to go out on a limb maybe slightly. And I don't know if you wrote it, your book to address needs in that area too, but I see people posting online and it's like, I need a job. <laughs> I mean, there, there's no, there's no conversation. There's no give and take. There's no um, finding out about somebody else's interest or making it a collaborative, mutually beneficial circumstance. Which, which to me, I don't know if they're in your book specifically, but probably are tangentially because these are universal ideas. But who, who, this may not be the easiest question to answer, but I'd like to hear what you think. At what stage should somebody get this book? Should they buy it when they're just getting to college? Should they buy it as they're starting to develop their career? Or maybe read it, you know, buy it, then read it. Uh, where do you think this would help people the most? Is there an optimal entry point here?
0: The answer is when you're ready for it. Okay. okay. Now, what does that mean? How how do you figure out the answer?
1: (laughs) That's a a (laughs) non-answer. It's a good answer, but uh, so it's when somebody's ready. Okay. So so
0: for for a lot of people, that might be as you're graduating college. Early Mm -hmm. 20s, we saw this is a very popular graduation gift. Because as you're thinking, Mm -hmm. I'm going into my first job. I'm focusing on this. So 20s, of course, a natural time. Mm -hmm. I've met people in their 40s, 50s, even the 60s, who when they've gotten the book have said, wow, this is great. I can use this because there's a lot of concrete, specific things you can do today. But I say, boy, I wish I had this 20 years ago. In fact, that's probably the most common statement in the Amazon reviews. I wish I had this 20 years ago. Can it work for a high school student? The answer is maybe. And I I say this, obviously, I'd like to see books get sold For me as a high school student, I probably wasn't in the right mindset to pay attention to this and care about it. But I know there are students who are more mature than I was who would have been ready. So when you say, I think I want to get better at leading, at networking, at communicating, whenever you say that, that's when you want to pick up this book.
1: How do people get the book? Website? So on the direct, how 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 does somebody obtain your book?
0: You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. Okay. And there, if you follow the buy link, it can take you to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, or you can even get through local bookstores. So you can follow that link and get all the usual places. And there's a whole bunch of other great resources online. There is a free app on the Android and iPhone stores that's okay, linked yeah. from the website. So that's we'll going to help you that a little bit more keep information. On. Mm -hmm. There's also on the resources page, I have a bunch of free downloads, things that can help you, questions to ask as a candidate during an interview, questions to help you figure out what you might want to do with your own career if you're not sure what direction you want to go in. There are development guides for how to learn this along with a group of other people, which is really the best way to learn these skills, Mm -hmm. and links to other free resources online. So all of this at thecareertoolkitbook.com.
1: Tell me about the app. Does the app kind of bring the book to life? Is it interactive or is it kind of a digital version of the book? What I have
0: found, whenever you read a book like mine, a business book, even a self-help book, or even listen to a podcast like this, you say, okay, wow, so much good advice. And then you forget a week or two later because we get busy we move on. So I want people to retain this. My job isn't to get you to buy pieces of paper. My job is to help you improve and do better. So with the app, you download, it has a lot of the great tips from the book, the specific things you can do. And what it's going to do, you just need to open it once a month so we know that you're active. And it's going to pop up a notification each day at a time you set with a reminder of one of the things you can do. Hmm. That's going to help keep it top of mind. That's going to help keep you help you retain it. It's spaced repetition, fancy name for look at the book a second right. time. Right. No, you're yeah. not going to open the book.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. Come on. Hey, or let me, you let me can, read.
0: Or go the ahead, other thing you can do, you can open the app. Say you're about to go into an interview. Oh, what were all the things Mark said in the book? Open it up, flip through those tips, and get that refresher.
1: I'm going to read a quote. Quote, this is not a book that you read once and put aside. Page after page, there are useful tips. You can open any random page at any time and learn a new skill. You can put into practice immediately. End of quote. Love it, Forbes
0: magazine. Yes, According wonderful quote page, from Forbes.
1: Yeah, that's a that is some pretty serious uh, praise from a very highly regarded business uh, source. What what. what I mean, I don't want to make this completely out of the book because you're a super interesting person too, Mark, but what are you most proud of about this book? Do you consider this like your magnum opus? Is, are there more books in you? Do you, Is there like a, um, a, a version two or is there like a next level or are you going to drill down any of the aspects within it? I'm curious if you have aspirations that way.
0: There are about seven other books I have <laughs> sketched out. Okay. And so I can go in different directions. I think I figured out which one to do next. Uh, The Mm -hmm. one thing I've learned from friends is when you write a book, you don't just write it and say, okay, it's out there. Now do the next book. You need to be out there going on podcasts, talking about marketing it. Mm -hmm. So I've got at least another year of focusing on this one before I start to write the next one.
1: You know, I heard, I'm reading your bio here. I mean, you're like, you're like all over the place. You, he, I'm here, Mark is one of the top-ranked ballroom dancers in the country. Like former. Fred Astaire. Like former. Well, still. You, you want to see me dance? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Trust me. Is it like Fred Astaire kind of dancing? Like that kind of thing? That,
0: that what you'd learn at Fred Astaire or Arthur Murray, I used to go all over the country to compete. That was a really? wonderful period of my life. Dang.
1: And it's, it's like in a, like with a partner. Like, So you're dancing with another... Wow.
0: yeah you have your set partner you train together and then you go to the competitions and get judged against the other dancers it's like what you see on dancing with the stars except we're all on the floor at the same time and the judges in 90 seconds have this to is pick. like pick.
1: uh i can't think of a name of dance like merengue you know, No, what do you call it
0: um, cha-cha samba cha-cha. waltz tango foxtrot swing
1: see i i am always i always admire anybody could do something i have no skill out at all
0: <laughs> you don't
1: want to do it. I mean, I, my wife's like, you just stepped on my foot. And she's like, yeah, yeah. wow. How'd you get into that? I mean, is it just somebody like your parents were into it and they got you into it? Or one day you just saw it on TV and like, I want to do that?
0: Oh, no. My, my mother forced me to take some lessons as a kid. I hated it. I got into it when I was at MIT because the MIT club is one of the biggest ballroom clubs probably in the country.
1: I didn't and so I joined
0: the okay. club. I started social dancing. I then started dating a girl and got her, she was a dancer, but not ballroom. So she started dancing with me. And then after I think about a year, she decided that she wanted to join the team and compete, which apparently meant I had also decided I wanted to join. You got her into it, man. It was
1: your responsibility at that point. So, and then you, so you were able to travel the whole country. Yeah. I went to the national
0: championships, I think for six years.
1: Really? They have like trophies and stuff. I'm sure
0: gold medals. They have, they have trophies. Yeah. yeah. I've got Living a bunch there. of them boxed up.
1: Every year you got a big Halloween party. Okay. you have to invite me to that. Um, a cufflink collection. Who wears cufflinks in 2022? You?
0: Very few people, even before <laughs> you and
1: your neighbor. I mean,
0: I do. I am wearing this. And
1: listen, if you're not, it's, it's, this is not, if you're hearing this, he is wearing a cufflink. He just showed it to me on the screen. How many you got? How many pairs you got? First of all, in case people don't know, cufflinks comes in pairs, one for each arm, right? Okay. How many pairs you got, Mark?
0: Uh, Just over
1: 400. Dang. So you go go over a year without uh, repeating?
0: I can. And now the thing about my cufflinks, most people, I think cufflinks, you've got a square, a rectangle. That's boring. I don't like this. I've got maybe a few of them. My cufflinks, they're food. I've got pizza. I've got bagels, lock, and cream cheese. I've got hot dogs. I have planes, trains, automobiles. Not the actual food, but like,
1: like a metal casting of
0: yeah, it. Yeah, like a, a yeah. version of it. I've got pumpkins I and see. Christmas trees, menorahs and matzah. I've got yeah. things for different things you might do. So whatever I'm doing in a particular day or if oh, the day so is a dog, okay. dog day, I've got a cufflink for it.
1: Somewhere in my somewhere in my desk here, I actually have a pair of cufflinks, which I, if I if I had known this about you, I would have pulled them out. We could have been like cufflink uh, brothers. Hey, this is the Make the Ray podcast. You are with me, Steve Green, and my guest, Mark Hershberg, author of the Career Toolbox. Is it true? I don't want to say it wrong. The Career Toolkit book, right? Yes. Listen, if nothing else, this book book might save your career. This book might elevate you. Because a lot of times, once you get in, especially in the corporate gig, it's all about how you get along with people. Everybody's good. Everybody knows what they're doing in their job. It's the people that can work the system, and the people that can get in. I'm not saying like be brown nosers. I'm saying just be good. It's all about being a people person. Um, and you yeah, know, Mark's got so much going. Let me let me dig into the book a little bit more. Biggest takeaway from the book, okay? What do you hope people get out of this book, okay? As an author, it's like your baby. I've written a couple of books. It's the same thing. I want people to love my book, but more importantly, it makes me happier when they come to you and say, like, I read your book and I was able to use this in a meeting. I was able to use this in school. That's what kind of gives me that warm and fuzzy feeling. What, what does that for you?
0: What pains me in life is people who don't live up to their potential. They get mm-hmm. stuck in jobs they don't like or want to hit a certain level and just don't know how to get there. So my dream is that people can use this book, the app, my talks, however they get the content and use it to help their professional efficacy and achieve their dreams. How
1: much is your book?
0: It retails for $28.95 and usually it's even cheaper on Amazon.
1: So for 30 bucks, this is, be, this isn't even an an investment. I mean, you can't even leverage this. This could be worth millions of dollars. I'm not even exaggerating. Because oh, you, you oh, get in with the right thing and you close the deal, you get a promotion. I mean, this is enormous. Give me an example. You got a little yeah, study or something? How?
0: Please There's do. a chapter on negotiating. So let's imagine the following. Imagine you're 25 years old and you have a job offer for $60,000. Okay. But instead of taking the job as is, you've read the chapter on negotiating. So you go and negotiate and you negotiate for 61,000, just a thousand dollars more. That's pretty small, you can imagine doing that. Yeah. If you do nothing else, five minutes of negotiation, you accept the job. If you stay in that job for 40 years, you just earned yourself a thousand dollars more for 40 years. You read my chapter, five minutes of negotiating. And that's with no raise, that's 000. with no
1: raise at all.
0: Right, and that's insane because of course, you'll have raises, you'll have promotions, you'll have other jobs. If you learn to negotiate, you can add tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to Mm. your lifetime earning. And now I use negotiation as an example because we can do the math, but the secret is the same is true. If you get better at leadership or networking or communicating, no one says you're a better leader, here's a thousand dollars more, but you stand out, you get promoted faster, you get the jobs, it's going to lead to that success. So the key thing here is investing some time. We're not talking about being the world's best negotiator. We're not talking about being the world's best leader, but if you get a little bit better, you can achieve so much more success, financial and otherwise. And that completely justifies the cost of the book and the time you'd put in reading it.
1: Now, the cost of the book is, is, is nominal. I'll, I'll yeah. even go to support more. I'm gonna buy some books from you. I'm gonna give them away to anybody who listens to this podcast, reaches out to me and just sends me any sort of compelling reason why they need this book. Okay? Is that a fair
0: offer? Wonderful. I think that's a pretty yeah, fair fantastic.
1: offer. Thank you. Here, here's, here's what it is. Let's be clear. I'm, I'm not going to do it for 500 books. I'm not going to that kind of scratch. But I'm going to say five books, okay? For any five people listening to this, you email, you know how to get a hold of me. It's all over the podcast site. Email me, social media, whatever you want to do. And you just tell me. It doesn't have to be your life story. You've heard what's in here. You've heard the nine or 10 things Mark espouses. Which one do you think would help you the most and how are you going to use it? And I will send you his book for free on me as my gift for listening and being a, a, a participant here. Um, Mark, let's, let's, let's circle back to something uh, that we really started with here. And then we're going to kind of close this out a little bit. And, by, and I got to tell you, you're welcome back anytime. Fantastic info. Do you think the climate is catching up to the times? Clearly what you brought to MIT, um, I don't want to say it's game changing, but, but maybe it is. But are you seeing a ripple effect? Now maybe other schools are bringing these things in. I mean, there are schools that have centers for entrepreneurism. There's schools that are a little bit off the um, beaten path in a sense in terms of how the curriculum is. I don't think college as a, an, an uh, amalgam or an aggregate is changed all that much. But I think you are starting to see some, for lack of better terms, modern curriculum in there. But are you seeing any sort of shift that makes you feel like, wow, I may have done something that's really shifted a mega trend you know, in a number of places?
0: I hope that's true one day. I think it's still early. You're right that we've seen, there's been a push the last 20, 30 years for entrepreneurship centers. Okay. And while these skills certainly apply and help entrepreneurs, most of those centers focus more on the tactical, how do you write a business plan? How do you come up with your financial that model? It' like
1: a micro MBA kind
0: of. Yeah. With this, we're starting to see, I've seen at University of Michigan, I've seen at a few universities up in Canada, they're starting to say, you know what, our students, whatever their major, we have to start teaching them some of these other skills, mm-hmm. but they're more one-off classes. They're the types of things of, we'll give them one semester's worth of random lectures on these topics, as opposed to an intentional set of skills and intentional way of teaching them.
1: You know what the challenge is there? And you brought this up before. Let me reiterate this. It's great information, but you know what? They may not be ready for it yet. It's too soon, or maybe even too late. Because part of the brilliance here is the ability to have random access to this when you really need it. Because you're not going to need to negotiate every day of your life. Actually, if you're in sales, you might. But to negotiate, how often do you negotiate a salary? Right? I know mean, twice a year. I don't know. But some of these other things are daily habitual things. If you ran over that list of ten again, I was thinking when you're saying it. I mean, I'm I'm doing those things pretty much every day on a level, and I certainly I've been in business longer than dirt, and I have mastered them. <laughs> not that old, but I'm pretty old. Um, awesome. Well, listen, if anybody can shift this, I know you got the energy to do it. It just makes sense to me. I know my, one of my, my kids went to Temple and uh, in Philly, and they, they have classes on social networking, LinkedIn, they build that into their business school. But it's really more, uh, my, my observation was, it was done more to make connections in, in almost like a job search thing. Um, so they can say, hey, you know, we are you know, coming out of Fox Business School. You know, we have 99% people graduate and get jobs. So they're, they're kind of pushing them through that pipeline a little bit and hopefully teaching them some networking skills as well. Is there anything you want to talk about that's in your book or maybe in your life that we haven't gotten to yet before we kind of bring this home?
0: I'll mention one important thing to think about when learning these skills. These are different than how we traditionally learn. If you want to learn chemistry... You can open a book or take an online class and you're memorizing the periodic table. You're memorizing chemical equations, the so electron the shell, geometry. yes, yes. Knowledge transfer. Okay. These are not things you can just memorize. There is no formula for leadership. There's no three things to remember to communicate. Mm-hmm. It's much more subtle. It's closer to learning a sport. I can't just tell you, here are the rules of the sport, go do it you have to practice, you have to try, you have to scrimmage and drill.
1: Mm -hmm. And you probably got to scrape your knees a little bit.
0: The best way to learn these skills, the way we teach them at the MIT class and the way top business schools teach them is through peer learning. So create a group of people, create a cohort. Now you can do this if you're at a company, get your company to do it. And I have a free download on the resources page explaining how. Mm -hmm. If your company is not going to do it, Find others, create a local meetup group and do it. If you're a parent and you want your kids to do this, get a couple other parents, get their friends. Here's the thing, you want to access some content. So yes, you can use my book and you might read 10 pages of the book. If you don't want to use my book, use a different article, use an online video, use a great podcast like this one. And after you hear the episode or read the pages, discuss it have that discussion because it's in that discussion that you get into the richness as we're talking about, let's say leadership, you're going to say, well, this is what stood out for me or it reminds me of this thing that I had. And we say, wow, I never would have thought of that.
1: It's and almost we're gonna- like a book club meets. A, sort of like a cooking class in a sense, because you're producing something. I'll I, I tell you, listen, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I would love to partner with you on stuff like this. Cause I deal with this population every day. And I absolutely relate 100% that they need what you're delivering here. If you want to put, that, we'll talk about that offline, but I'm I'm psyched here. Hey, Mark Hershberg from the Big Apple in New York. Oh, I dropped my pen. Uh, from the Big Apple in New York, thank you very much. You want to come down to Philly someday? I'll get you a, a cheesesteak or something, whatever you like to eat. Get some of your books. Let's get them out there on the street. Mark, you want to play everybody's favorite Make the Great Podcast game called Fave 5? Let's do it. And tell you about this is spontaneous. Here's what I'm going to do I'm going to just list a category. You tell me your favorite thing in this category. Okay. Don't overthink this. This is supposed to be fun. Just relax. We did some heavy duty stuff here. Important. And again, give us the name of your book again, because I really want this to be front of mind for
0: people. The Career Toolkit Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught.
1: Beautiful. Get on Amazon everywhere you want, or you can get it from me if you listened before. Okay. Let's start with an easy one. Favorite color? Red. Nice. Red. The color of love.
0: Favorite dessert? Chocolate chip cookies.
1: Dang. Now I'm looking at Mark here. He's probably 140 pounds soaking wet.
0: So oh, like no. A... I, I wish. I <laughs> wish I look to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like he could afford to eat a few cookies. Me, on the other hand, I guess I got to cut back. Um, favorite place to vacation? You ever go on a vacation? You're a busy guy. You ever take a break?
0: Yeah. I can tell you my top three cities are Bangkok, Copenhagen, and Dublin. Dang.
1: Say that again. Bangkok,
0: Copenhagen, Bangkok, Copenhagen and Dublin. So
1: Thailand, Denmark, and Ireland. Well, give us a read. What, what do you like about them? Food? Vibe? What do, you, what do you like?
0: Copenhagen strikes me as the most quintessential European city.
1: Super clean. That's the one thing that struck me there. It, you could eat off the sidewalk there. I mean, I don't know if you literally would, but it is unbelievable. Dublin, yeah. What do you like about Dublin?
0: Dublin is just—it's nice, it's fun, it's accessible. As someone whose Spanish is super rusty and Hebrew never took, I, mm-hmm. I can speak the language in Dublin. It's a nice, charming city. Hmm. And then Copenhagen, uh, then um, Bangkok. Bangkok. Not only were the friendliest people I have ever met in Bangkok. I don't mean like one person. I mean, consistently, the people were incredible, Thai but people. I love the dichotomy of this ancient city with thousand-year-old temples and then this mm-hmm. modern city emerging from it. It was just this Somebody wonderful- told me There's
1: like no crime in Bangkok because if a Thai person commits a crime against a foreigner, they go to jail for like life. It's like this ridiculously- um, Punishment doesn't necessarily fit the crime, but they do it because they, they promote tourism so much. Who told me that? Somebody on a podcast. I forget now.
0: That's wow. interesting. People kept coming up to me. I kept thinking, I'm a New Yorker, so I'm thinking they're going to scam me. Someone's going to try picking my pocket. Oh, nice. I was on guard. They were all just so friendly and nice. I, I and got maybe- that
1: same vibe in Tokyo. I think it's like an Asian like Asian um, pro- company or country, just the way they live life. They're just people, people. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah, you may not get that on the subway in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, music. You still listen to ballroom dance music or you got a better taste?
0: Uh, I do listen to ballroom. I also love 80s music and the one hit wonders. I like mm. top 40, big band, some classical.
1: What would be a typical song you'd, li- you'd listen to while you were dancing? Like in the mood, like that kind of thing?
0: In the Mood could work for Foxtrot's Sinatra. See, hang on, let's see if I can pull
1: that. I, I guarantee you there's people listening who don't know what that song is. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Hold that thought.
0: You yeah, know what song you're talking ben, about, ben, right? That, that's classic, man, right? big band. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, other big band like Pennsylvania 65,000, um, yeah. Sing, Sing Sing Sing, that's a good quick Woody, step. Woody Bugle Boy? Uh, that's a jive, yep. See if but you think right about song. sinatra is my favorite bobby darren and sinatra their songs are usually good foxtrots
1: Here, here's the part everybody knows i'll mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we'll put that on the side there so i'll allow it i've been to like 800 weddings where they play that song <laughs> all right hey uh What's on your bucket list, man? You, you have been around. You've been around. So anything, anything you, you got to do in uh, you're a young guy in the next however many years?
0: Yeah, wife and kids, top oh. of the bucket list.
1: Okay. Well, you got to be a good negotiator. <laughs> you're going to need <laughs> I, that. Trust me. I've been where you are, where you want. You got to be a good negotiator. You gotta, all, listen, All those things in your book that you were about business, a lot of them, you don't think about, they apply to relationships because this is all really about relationships on a level. You kind of hit and start, man. It's good. Hey, this is, this is a loaded question. Loaded question. What's your favorite podcast? <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's, it's backing you into the corner here a little bit.
0: You you are my Be 299th honest. podcast recording. Are you serious?
1: 299? So
0: I'm going to say, like a parent, it's so hard to choose a favorite child.
1: Yes. Oh, all right. I, I, the diplomacy trumps the fact that you didn't make an answer. It's, that's good. <laughs> uh, let's see if i can leave a bonus one then uh, did dessert what do i usually ask people i
0: forget i'm blanking now
1: favorite, uh, TV, uh, show. favorite tv show We well, yes, you said in your thing so i know the answer but what, what do you what is
0: it this is going to surprise most people mash mash because i am young for that yeah, when you say
1: mash you probably uh, on rewinds when you were in a you weren't a baby
0: my parents you told MASH? me, what, what you
1: always,
0: say? my parents would always say they got to see the second half of MASH because it came on right at my bedtime as a kid and they'd have to go mm. sing me a lullaby, put me asleep. So they only got to see the second you know, I, half. I
1: think until MASH was out in like the 80s, early, maybe 70s really or late early. 70s, early 80s. MASH was considered the number one television show ever until it got overtaken by Seinfeld and a couple other shows later, Friends probably too. Yeah, how about that?
0: Although the finale of M.A.S.H. was still the all time most watched television program, even more than Seinfeld and Friends, even Mm -hmm. though there were more people and more people had TVs later, M.A.S.H. still beat them.
1: Huh, look at this. Can you believe the information you get here? I think I knew that, but I somehow didn't know that, but yeah, but you're right. So, so it was a way higher percentage of people who could watch it. Yeah. If you do the math. Hey, Mark, thank you very much. This was great. I I'm going to tell you seriously, people consider getting this book. If you don't need it today and you probably do, you're going to need it at some point. And if you don't, you got a child or a friend or a cohort or coworker and and, and get the app. I mean, use what he's got here. This stuff is fantastic. Steve Green, the Make the Great podcast. Marsh Herkberg, Mark Hersberg. and tired today, sorry. Um, one last time. Author, The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success. No one taught you until now. You're going to add that to the end of the title for me. Um, hey, I got a lot of really good guests coming up. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I wanted to be number 300. Can, can you just lie and say I'm the 300th <laughs> podcast? Now, whoever gets you to be number 300 is lucky because you've got a lot of information. Fantastic guest. Thank you. Hey, we're going to be back here with plenty of people like Mark. I got some solo podcasts coming out uh, as well. that are going to be informational. Mine are a little shorter, but uh, it's all about value here. So we will see you next time. If you want to be on the podcast, reach out. And here's all I ask people. If you liked what you heard today, please share this. What makes me happy is very simple. When as many people as possible get this information because it can help them, it can further their career, it can further their academics, it can just level up everything that they're doing. That's how anybody could thank me if they want to go that direction. So Steve Green, the Make 3 Podcast, we will see you next time. Let's get the theme music on here. And thanks again, Mark.
0: You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.